please stand for a reading of the word of, uh, from Psalms chapter 30. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and did not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you have healed me. O Lord, you brought up my soul from Sheol, restored me to life from among those gone down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you, his faithful ones, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may linger for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you had established me as a strong mountain. You hid your face. I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cried, and to the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell you of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be gracious to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned my mourning into dancing. You have taken off my sackcloth and clothed me with joy so that my soul may praise you and not be silent. O oh Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. A, a mentor of mine used to say that the Proverbs became his father and the Psalms became his mother, and I just love that. I love that because the Psalms are so nurturing. Um, they are the whole life experience of God's covenant people living life with God and all the challenges and blessings and ups and downs that come with that. The Psalms are like this walking bag of emotions, like this big garbage bag almost spilling over with the emotions of the people of God. It's everything like the Psalm that Alex just read to Psalm 19. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? And it's like the people of God are, are walking around with this big garbage bag of emotion and they're bringing it up to the throne room of God where it just spills out at God's feet. But instead of being disgusted, the king of heaven picks it up and calls it worship. And so I love the Psalms. I love the way that they expand the language that we get to use with God. And the Psalm today is a song of someone who got their prayer answered. And what's more, their prayer was, oh God, don't let me go down to the pit don't let me die. And this song is the song of someone who got their prayer answered because God lifts their neck up out of the pit. It's a weird way to put it, but that's the word that they use. The word neck is this, this Hebrew word that also means soul. And the idea is this, that all of who we are, our, our lifeblood, our, our breath, it's all, it's all right here. And so when God lifts the prayers, the singer's neck up out of the pit, God rescues all of them. And so they're rejoicing and they're grateful. 
and I'm really happy for them. I'm really happy that they're so happy. I, I don't know if I relate yet. Maybe you don't either. How do we hear the song of someone this morning who got their prayer answered? How do we relate when we have ourselves prayed some prayers that maybe didn't get answered? How do we hear their joy this morning? We, who have recently experienced the pit in a way no one could have imagined. I know. We're kind of tired talking about it. But in a text that mentions the pit, I think we have to talk about it. I'm sorry. Uh, it was March 8th, 2020. That's the day when uh, reading my newsfeed, I thought, this might be something. This might be a big deal. That was March 8th. It was the first day of spring break. By the time we were traveling, by the time we came back to Abilene, schools had shut down. People were like micro-dosing bleach into their systems, and they were losing their ever-loving minds over toilet paper. Real fast, we got thrown into a pit. We didn't know where we were. We didn't know what was up and what was down. And we were dismayed. But the pit, it's, it's more than just confusion. The pit in a society that lives and survives off of building cisterns to collect water, it's more than just falling down into a cistern or a pit and being confused. The pit is a hole you may never get out of. It's down close to Sheol. It's a place where the dead walk around. The pit is more than just confusion and disorientation. It's a place where if you don't get your prayer answered, you might not ever get out of there. You can't get yourself out of the pit. It's a place where we walk hand in hand with death. And um, we prayed a lot when we were thrown into that pit. And a lot of our prayers got answered. And that felt good, but there's probably not a single person in here today that did not pray for someone to get better over the last two years, only to discover that that prayer was not answered. And so we come here today, and we're maybe getting out of the pit, I hope. Um, but we're hearing this song of deliverance, this song of triumph from the pit. And there's maybe muffled sounds up over the top. We can hear them singing and praising God, but it's muffled. Because we don't know why uh, some of our prayers just didn't get answered. Maybe it feels like watching somebody else celebrate after we tried really, really hard and they just beat us. Uh, maybe it's your roommate getting engaged the exact same week that you got dumped. Uh, maybe it's that coworker who doesn't work so hard but got the promotion over you. Maybe it's going and checking your social media and seeing that your children, your friend's children, still call them and maybe invite them to vacations and things, and, and your grown children can't seem to pick up the phone. Maybe it's just like social media in general, just 
depressing, somebody else getting invited to a party, your friends inviting your friends. Uh, but maybe it's um, getting invited to your friend's 50th anniversary while you're still mourning the loss of your beloved. And here comes the song. We hear it ringing out over the edge of the pit. How do we feel about that? What do those singers of this song know about God that we can't seem to get right? Well, it's hard to know. It's hard to know because even though the Psalms are very descriptive of what it feels like to be God's covenant people, what it feels like to be human, sometimes the Psalms are a little shoddy on their historical details. Uh, this particular song, I think all of the experts agree, we don't really know what's going on. Uh, but it's fun to imagine, and, and we have some clues. Uh, it's hard to know exactly which part of Israel's history the people are singing and celebrating. Some think that it could be the story of Joseph, whose brothers literally throw him into a pit and then have lunch while they discover what to do with, uh, with him. Some think that it could be the tradition of Job, who prays a very logical prayer. Uh, Oh Lord, what profit is there in my death? Who will praise you if I go down to the pit? Who will tell the world of your faithfulness? It could be Joseph's prayer. You have turned my mourning into dancing. You have taken off my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. It could be Job's prayer. Oh Lord, if I die, who will praise you? Or it could be, as the title says, a psalm of King David at the dedication of the temple. David, who on more than one occasion was near death and prayed that God would deliver him, and time and time again, God shows up and saves David. And so uh, maybe even though David was not alive at the dedication of the temple, maybe this song becomes all of Israel's song as they're remembering that they too, like David, have been saved over and over and over again. And so even though it's in the first person, all of Israel at the dedication of the temple sings this song. God, you've delivered us. You've dealt mercifully with us. You have raised up our necks, our whole being, everything that we are, up out of the pit. And so they thank God forever because God has lifted them up and they will worship God forever at this temple. And if that is the history of this song, if the people of God are singing this at the dedication of the temple, it is ironic because that temple will not stand in the matter of decades the people of god do just what this psalm says they become rich they become rich enough to uh, forget that god has delivered them and they say to themselves i've become a strong mountain in my authority and my power i will not be moved and then the Assyrian army comes down from the north. The Assyrian army, the empire of that time, comes down from the north and utterly destroys Israel and destroys the temple. It's a hard part of Israel's story, but it happened. The people who cried out for deliverance, they forget about God. Verse 6 says, As for me and my prosperity, I shall never be moved. 
By your favor, Lord, you established me as a strong mountain, but the most brutal for me, the most brutal words, the most brutal part of the song is not actually words. It's the space between two sentences. I was a strong mountain. You lifted me up. I became rich. You hid your face. I was dismayed. What happens in between? You hid your face and our dismay. What lifetimes, what sufferings, what what sorrows and disappointments happened there in between the space between you hid your face and I was dismayed. For Israel, the space between was the Assyrian army. For us, it was two years of trying to figure out how to be church when we couldn't even be in the same room. How does the body of Christ stay together when we can't be in front of each other? How does the body of Christ embody, uh, incarnate God in the world if we can't even hug each other? Maybe we didn't always make the right decisions during the last two years. I know there's times if I could go back, I would choose something different. But maybe we should also have some grace for ourselves because we were thrown into a pit. God hid his face and we were dismayed. In the space between God hiding his face and their dismay, the Israelites saw the Assyrian army kill most of their people. And those who weren't killed were taken back to Assyria to be the slaves. They were bound and shackled. They were marched with only the clothes on their back to go build someone else's empire. To make somebody else rich. Somebody else a strong mountain. The temple was destroyed. And didn't they cry out to God? Why isn't God answering their prayer for deliverance now? God hides his face and they are dismayed. They went to Assyria with nothing. But there are some things that even the greatest empires in the world cannot take from God's people. They did bring something with them, hidden inside of them. They brought their song. We don't know much about the story or the history of this song, but we do know this. We know that it becomes the traditional table song for the Hanukkah festival. When Jews today are celebrating Hanukkah, they will sing Psalm 30. This is what that means. We could talk for like 20 more minutes about how cool that is. We're not going to do it. But here's what this means. The temple is destroyed about 600 years before Jesus is born. The uprising that leads to the annual Hanukkah festival happens about 150 years before Jesus is born. In, those, in between those years, the people of God are enslaved by no less than three empires. And this song survives. That means that they bring this song with them to slavery over and over and over again. And what I want to know is, what did it look like when they were singing this song in slavery? Did they sing it when they were being forced to work? Was there a taskmaster yelling over them saying, be quiet, stop singing, get back to work? 
did they sing this song when they were being forced to build someone else's temple? Are these words underneath those stones too? Songs can change over time. They don't always mean what they first meant. So there's this guy named Eddie Vedder. He is the lead singer of the rock group Pearl Jam. If you don't know who that is, we can still be friends. But Eddie Vedder was a young, young man. He was from living in San Diego when he joined this emerging rock group Pearl Jam up to Seattle. If you're playing David Preach's Bingo, I mentioned Seattle, where I grew up. And, uh, and he brings one song with him. He brings one song to the group, and it's the song called Alive. And the song has a hard story behind it. When Eddie Vedder was like 13 years old, he learns that the guy he grew up calling his dad wasn't actually his dad. They'd hid that from him. And the person who was actually his father was in the process of dying. And his mom says to him, at least you're still alive. And that does not make young Eddie Vedder feel any better. And so he writes this song called Alive. And the chorus of that song is four bitter, angry, sarcastic words. Oh, I'm still alive. And even in one of the verses it says, but do I deserve to be? Do I even want to be? It's a bitter, angry song, oh, I'm still alive. But something happens as this group rockets towards rock star stardom. They start singing this song in small clubs and then in bigger stadiums. Eventually, as they're selling out uh, worldwide tour arenas, something happens. The crowd starts singing the song back as they typically do. And Eddie Vedder realizes, in an and he says in an interview later, they didn't mean the same thing I meant start getting letters from young people who are saying, this song was something that kept me alive. I got dumped and I was abused and at least I could come back to, oh, I'm still alive. And this crowd, as they're singing back to him, it becomes an anthem of hope. And it doesn't change the terrible things that have happened to him. But eventually the crowd changes the meaning for Eddie Vedder also. And he starts singing a different song with the same lyrics. I'm alive. I'm alive. Sometimes the person who is singing the song and where they are singing changes everything. The meaning of Israel singing, you have turned my mourning to dancing. I will extol you for you have saved my neck. You have drawn me up out of the pit. Those lines mean something different at the dedication of the temple than they do when Israel is singing this song in slavery. This is still the song of someone who got their prayer answered, but it's also the song of someone who is waiting on God. If you came to church today not really wanting to hear somebody else celebrate, it's your song too. This is the song, this is not the song that will help us sort out the math of who gets their prayers answered and who doesn't. This is simply the song that says this. If we are going to be saved, it will be God who does it. We don't know who first sung this song, but we know the people of God in all situations have sung it ever since. They sang it at Hanukkah, 150 years before Jesus was born. They keep singing it when the Romans come into Israel and take over. I wonder 
I wonder when Jesus first heard this story, song. I wonder if Jesus sang this song as a little boy. How did this song form him? How did the faithful words of God's covenant people spark his imagination of what it means to look to God for his salvation? Can't you just imagine him singing this song? When Jesus dies, before God lifts his neck up out of the pit, before he saves everything that Jesus is, The, sorry, after that, the, the Gospel of John describes Jesus' disciples huddled in a room with locked doors because they're afraid that the Jews are going to come and arrest them too. How does Jesus come and, and come through that door and find his covenant people? What does he discover them doing? I wonder if they dared sing a song of answered prayers. Would they be would they dare be singing Psalm 30? If they did, if they dared sing that song, then the meaning of this song changes one more time. When God lifts Jesus up out of the grave, something shifts forever in the order of our universe. Because God will not let Jesus stay dead, anyone who is in Christ will not stay dead either. Because God does for Jesus what Jesus could not do for himself. The love of God raises him up out of the pit of death. He lives. And in Jesus, we are grafted into the history of Israel, and their song can become our song, free to change meaning with time and perspective. Sometimes we will sing songs like this because the salvation of God is so close to us. We can't deny it. We can't help but rejoice. Other times we might sing this song because we are waiting on God. Depending on where we are and what our circumstances are, this will be either a song of triumph or a song of hope delayed. But there is one truth the singer of this song proclaims that never changes. God saves God does the saving, not us. In Jesus, God has closed the pit of death once and for all. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot say to ourselves, should I have done more? The singers of this song would tell us that question doesn't even make sense. You can't pull yourself out of the pit. If God is going to save us, it's going to be God who pulls us out of the pit. And the church is just the people who look for and wait for and celebrate God's salvation. We might call this looking, this waiting, this celebrating, we might give that a word and call it gratitude. One day, death itself will be put in the grave. Disease will be no more and God's hand will wipe every tear from our eyes. Until then... We anticipate our salvation. We practice our salvation by looking for and celebrating those ways in which God is already pulling us up out of the pit. Gratitude is not the power of positive thinking. It's not optimism. It's not just looking on the bright side of life. Gratitude is the spiritual discipline where we look for the ways God is saving us now until God saves us once and for all. 
Gratitude is faithfully searching for those moments in life where God does something for us that we could never do for ourselves. It is working out our salvation now. The church is the people of God who are practicing gratitude because we believe in all circumstances God has saved our necks. God has saved every part of us. God saves us to life. God has saved us to life. And God will always save us to life. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come, come on forward. And as they're coming forward, would you also stand? We're going, to, we're going to end today with the benediction from this song itself. No matter where you are, if you came to church today not really wanting to hear somebody else get their prayer answered, if the salvation of God is closer to you than it's ever been before, you're welcome here. And this song that God's people sing is for you too. Because God is saving us and has saving us and is saving us again and again and again, we join Israel and we sing this song. Sing the praises of the Lord. You, his faithful people, praise his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Church, as we go this week, may you practice gratitude because God is saving us. Go in peace. Thank you.